Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to our podcast, The Ins and Outs of Selling Our Business. Uh, today, we're going to continue our conversation with the, uh, the Osage team, is how we put, how our team works with your team to a successful transaction. It takes a lot of work, a lot of energy, and I'm very happy to welcome back today uh, Jim Young, Will Wilcoxon, and uh, Philip D. So guys, last time we talked about the pieces of the puzzle. And the perception when you're selling your business is like it's the end game, right? We're business owners. But it's, it's not. I mean, there's multiple ways of selling your company. It doesn't have to be. Or it doesn't have to be. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, you can be in a position where you're, you know, but where you can sell a piece. Typically majority, but you can retain some of it. But you can de-risk yourself, de-lever yourself. Um, so that you can take some chips off the table, as we call, and maybe get what they call a second bite of the apple, mm -hmm. so that you're in a position where you, uh, in this case, could be an opportunity. Um, and Jim, we we can talk about a, a deal that where it's not just an end game, right? It, there's multiple things that we can be doing that, um, that the client doesn't think about until they engage us. Yeah, let me touch upon that a little bit, Keith. Uh, and add on to what, what Will was saying. I mean, this is a, a fairly emotional uh, decision for a, a business owner to sell uh, their business. You know, it's their, their baby. They've been in business for, for decades. They may even inherited uh, from a, a father or a grandparent. So this is you know, a serious decision. And many times we find that they think they can do it themselves, right? And so they may not engage with a, a professional advisor and in order to save time. They perhaps have been offered uh, you know, a certain value for their business from, uh, from a buyer. And they don't know any better, but they think it's, you know, a good deal. And so, uh, you know, they, they can save perhaps on, on the expense of hiring certain professional advisors, do it themselves, and do this very quickly. And the actual opposite ends up happening. Right. It's a disaster. Uh, they, they don't necessarily know who they're dealing with. Uh, in the, the, like I mentioned, the, 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 the transaction is quite complex, and they're not familiar with the process. And what ends up happening is a busted deal, and they do eventually engage us, and you know we do it right, uh, ideally. Uh, and one of the things we bring to the table is, you know, while they're quite emotionally invested, we're experts in the process, and we put them in a better light. You know, if there's a difficult conversation to be had, we have it, and so we become the bad guys if need be, and we preserve the relationship with those business owners to the to uh, to the buyer and their future roles together. And one buyer is really not a buyer because right. if I call up an owner and I say, I'd like to buy your business, I'm going to give you $10 million, I'm driving the pace, I'm driving the interactions. Frequently when somebody raises their hand and says, I want to say, I want to buy your business, mm -hmm. they'll drive it along their timeline and they're you know watching to see how are you during, doing during that period? Are you making your projections? Are you closing new deals? And if they, if they, think that it isn't happening, they may push on the price or they may delay. And in the end, uh, what we bring are choices because if you have five people bidding and somebody says, I want to take, I want to, you know, press the pause button, we're there to say, no, you're going to miss out. Yeah, we've I got other buyers. More, uh, well, I mean, we had a transaction a couple of years ago uh, when I first started with Osage. Uh, we went to market, Phil pressed that button, here we go. Yeah. Right? <laughs> here we go. And 27 bids came through. Right now, some of those bids, the our client, the seller, had received directly themselves before they engaged Osage. They had a couple. Right. We brought twenty-seven, but what was interesting was the valuation difference between them. 
you know, coincidentally, the, the, the low bid happened to be 27 million and the high bid happened to be 77 million. Now, how can you these, possibly have a difference like that? Right. That's the question. Yeah. What's crazy. I mean, all these buyers are sophisticated investors. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They receive the same exact uh, set of information that we sent along in, in the SIM that Jen so wonderfully produces for us. Right. right. And they made decisions that the value was triple the difference. Right. And so if they didn't engage us in an auction process, which one of those bids would they have received on their own? And, and the, the reason why he came to us was because he was approached by one of these bidders and they actually submitted a bid and they were, I think, were like in sixth or seventh or eighth place. Right. They were $20 million less than the winning bidder. And by the way, the winning bidder was not the highest price. Because yeah. at the end of the day, and we talk about this a lot, Phil, yeah. it's got to be right. It's got to feel right. It's got to fit. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can have the best offer in the world. But if the client, again, this is an emotional decision. If they don't feel good about it, they will be hesitant to move forward because it's 20, 30, 40 years of their lives and all of a sudden you're going to walk away with a bad taste in your mouth? Mm-hmm. We don't want that, right? So they take that second bid. And how many times have we been involved with transactions where they don't take the highest bid? Several. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like most of the transactions I've been involved with over the past few years, it's been the second or third bid. Uh, you know, that being said, you know, bids that are a lot lower that might be a good fit, you know, aren't going to work. But if there's a bid that's just slightly below or a couple million dollars below, you know, the top bid, you know, it's it's enticing to the business owner to, you know, pick that bidder uh, due to, you know, the fact that it would be better for the employees, you know, be better for uh, his transition period, et cetera. Um, so. Yeah, chemistry is huge. Yeah. I mean, you you build a company for 10, 20, 30 years. You've got employees that you want to see in good hands. You've got customers yeah. that you want to see in good hands. And just handing it off to the highest bidder really doesn't work for most people. They want to make sure that that in the transition, that um, that sense of family is preserved. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's part of our process, right? You know, we start mm-hmm. out asking for, you know, we, we provide that complementary evaluation modeling. We get these bids delivered to us. So you have all these financial metrics. But then we invite them to the table, right? The higher bidders, the one that looked more attractive to the, uh, to the seller. Yeah, for management presentations. Management presentations. Yeah. That's part of the process. And we meet them, and so does, does, does our client. We meet them firsthand and see what they like and dislike. Mm-hmm. And that's where that decision comes, where, you know, maybe it's not the top bidder. This company over here is a better fit for, you know, X, Y reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was in a meeting um, actually before you guys joined us when I first started this and we had management meetings and there was three owners, right? And then there was this team came in from, they put a very compelling offer and we had the presentation, the conference and the, the, the bitter buyer got, potential buyer got up and left and a street partner. And one of the guys who literally has not said anything, it's like our fifth presentation. He got up and said, I ain't selling my company to those people. <laughs> I said, okay, time to move on. But that's it. That's right. what happens. Right. Right? It's not in our control. Our control is to bring opportunity, bring multiple choices, right? So you can find the right bid. It brings the total value. And that value is not just a price. Yeah. I, I Before joining Osage, I had a client that was very Midwest in their demeanor, you know, just very friendly, outgoing, just low-key. 
and they were interested in finding a company to acquire that would provide them with some new product lines. And most of those companies happen to be Wall Street companies. So you take this Wall Street culture and this Midwest culture, and you're not going to put them together. And you could see in the meetings, you could see in the presentations that there were just two styles and two cultures that weren't going to go together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of go back to that company we, we sold. They didn't, first off, they didn't take the highest bid. He didn't like the guy. And that goes way back. We know each other through the industry for years and years. And he, at the end of the day, he just couldn't pull the trigger with them. He went to, and also, what's interesting is, is that you know, value is different for different buyers. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're trying to be opportunistic or, or steal the company, you know, 27 million versus 77. The business that came in at that 27, 28, $9 million number, right? They were named by Inc. Magazine of one of the top 50 family-friendly private equity firms in the country several years in a row. doesn't make them a bad buyer. It's just the wrong buyer for this business, right? They have evaluate, They have evaluation metrics they use. You may have had it when you're on the buy side. This is how I bid. And if it falls on that level, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm happy to move forward. They were not the right buyer. Even though they had a good team and they have a good track record, the way they value business was X, Y, and Z versus A, B, and C. Sure. I mean, you know, there's a lot of elements to evaluation, right? You, know, you can think of the size of the revenue, revenue growth, uh, size of EBITDA, EBITDA growth. Those are obvious, right? Financial metrics. But there's a few others that you know, our clients may not be as aware of that's important. You know, they, they range to uh, employee retention and, and attrition. Those are key factors. You know, can you keep the factory open? Uh, how motivated are the, is the, the workforce? Succession plan. Is, is the, the owner retiring uh, immediately or willing to stay on for a couple of years? So they have to get that mindset that, uh, you know, these are other, uh, other attributes that, that buyers are looking at. Level of, of capital expenditures, right? Uh, so there, there's a few others that are out there that are, are less obvious uh, that we try to bring to the table as well. There are a lot of components to value. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes you have a buyer where everything is right. It's a new geography that they want to be in. It's a product line that complements their own. They're unique clients. Um, you know, there's, there's a great management team, all different things. So one buyer may have the ability to pay a lot more because it mm-hmm. checks more of the boxes than somebody who's maybe a financial buyer who says, this will help me grow. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I think, you know, it's... You know, we we, are, we were all committed to getting those bids, right? We're all, you know, we put together a comprehensive memorandum. We, we go to market, 25, 3,000 equity funds, maybe mm-hmm. two to 500 strategic buyers worldwide. You know, we have these uh, presentations. We have the Q&A session. They submit questions. You know, we get the bids in. We sit, and then all of a sudden, we have the management presentations, and we sign a letter of intent through negotiation. Right? We're involved in every step. And then we have the LOI, right? It's finally signed. And then all of a sudden, the bulb goes up in our client's head. This is real. Mm. I'm actually doing this. And so I think one of the things that we bring to the table, all of us in this room is, is that, and, and others, is that you know we stay heavily, heavily involved. Probably more than the front half of the, of the process. The back half is more important, that due diligence period. And I think we all can talk about a little bit about you know how that communication works, you know how we set ourselves up to be in the middle of it, on every, in every conversation between the buyer and the seller to make sure our clients are properly being served, right? Yeah, I, I think you like to say that's where, this is when the fun begins. Right? <laughs> the fun, this is when the work really begins. The fun yeah, begins. The fun. Yeah. You know, I call it my 9 o'clock Friday night phone call, right? <laughs> every, every deal, 
I've been involved in since I started this company, what, in 2001, you know, nine o'clock client. What is this again? What does this mean? How's this work? And you know what? you got to return the phone call, right? It's the phone, not an email. You pick up the phone and you talk to your client and you, and if there's concerns, you go back to the other side, even if you're one day before closing, right? Remind me again, how you're going to handle this? Cause my client didn't hear it from you. Well, we talked about it. I said, no, you did. And literally that was the answer I gave. I said, you may have thought you answered the question, but I just got a phone call. You didn't answer the question, mm-hmm. right? You, you've been in the room when I get those calls at night, you know, or, or in the morning, whatever. And I'm pacing, walking around the office. You say, okay, let's talk through it. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk through it. You need to get to the meat of the issue. Yeah, this gig is 24-7. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe when we're not on the golf course. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, put the cl- it's hard to put those phones on do not disturb in the golf cart, yeah. right? Because you're always like, always looking. Yeah, I found, you know, recently, at least in the last few transactions, you know, the more stress our clients are having, you know, the harder it, harder it is to come to a conclusion and a decision, you know, that works for everybody. And I think, you know, if we're successful in, you know, uh, getting our client to, you know, calm down a little bit, so to speak, and then kind of have a peaceful conversation with him and then turn it over and, you know, reach out to the buyer and, you know, let him know the real concerns our clients are having, you know, usually we're, over, we're able to overcome those issues. So, and there's, and there's uh, the phenomenon of deal fatigue as well. After, yeah. as time goes on, good point. people get, um, you know, a little bit fatigued in the process yeah. and we can stay in the middle and make sure that emotions don't flare up between a buyer and seller. Yeah. Whereas a lot of times when a buyer goes one-on-one with a, I'm sorry, a seller and a buyer go one-on-one, they're having these conversations every day and that relationship is starting to degrade and and we can keep it, keep the relationship such that when they finally make the deal happen, they're not at each other's throats and, and we can play the bad guy. Yeah. And I think deal fatigue goes both ways because we're, you know, we've invested, you know, 1500, 2000 hours per deal between collecting four people, if not more in getting things done. And so it's really important to lean on each other at that last, you know, at the one yard line, you know, not to make, uh, you know, it's like, don't make quick statements. You know, you gotta say, let me get back to you and then call, Hey, what do you think about this? How are we going to handle this? What's the best way to approach this? And then you pick up the phone and you call the client back. Don't just re don't react, right? Don't react, Mm -hmm. take it in, listen, process, come up with a solution or, 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 or options. I call them options a lot. Well, let's think about this. Let's think about that, right? And we had a deal where um, we lost uh, the client, uh, their number one customer who was, what, 70% of business decided to put a $3 million order on hold, like a week before closing, right? Or a month before. And and the buyer, of course, is going to give pause. But we found a way around it that worked for both parties. Mm-hmm. Versus saying, oh, we're, this is over. We're, you know, it's, no, we find solutions. That's our, that's our job is to find solutions that work for our clients um, and get the buyer to buy into them. And that it's a win-win for everybody. Right. So we had a transaction uh, where our client had a major customer uh, that was the potential buyer. They're really the right buyer. And the, uh, that customer who had that commercial relationship with, with our client knew it and was leveraging that. Leveraged it to an extent where they offered what I'll say is an unfair purchase price. 50% and, of market. Yeah, 50%. Exactly. And our client did not think that they had options beyond 
selling directly to this uh, uh, relationship uh, with their, their customer. And we came into the process. Uh, we took the emotion out of it. Uh, we added time to the process mm. for the other party to think about uh, the true value of the business. And eventually they did come back, and we represented, our, I think, our client quite well as the, the purchase price doubled. Yeah, we got market value for the company. I mean, I always look at it, you know, you're, you're, you're at the one-yard line, you know, putting all these pieces together, right? You're at the one-yard line, and everybody's got to push together as a team, roll the same way to get over the finish line. Mm-hmm. And you can't do it on your own as a business owner. It just, you need to be represented, mm-hmm. um, in our opinion, because the motions are too high, and you get to that one-yard line, and like you said, deal fatigue, concerns, what's this all mean? If you haven't been through it, it could, you know, your emotional reaction could um, cause the buyer to have pause. Because mm-hmm. I need you post-closing. I'm not, you can't walk out the door on day two or day one, right? Mm-hmm. So it takes a full team um, on the client side and our side to kind of get over that finish line yes. uh, to a successful transaction. Right. I mean... And, 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 you know, look, I, I can't do it on my own. I mean, I used to do it on my own years ago. And I recognize that I don't want to be the shoemaker's daughter. I need to build a team around me that has a good uh, uh, skill set and diverse skill set that, that, that is, can make this company successful. So I'm very fortunate to have you guys with us. And just want to see if you guys have any final thoughts about your experiences today with Osage. And, and we can wrap things up. Well, you know, I, I, I've been constantly impressed with the fact that everybody really invests a lot in getting to know the clients, getting to know their mm-hmm. business, because at the end of the day, not too many buyers call and say, you know, what was this number or what was this, you know, margin or whatever it was. It, it tends to revolve around things like what does the buyer want? You know, what, what do they value? What do they want to do after this transaction? And being able to answer those questions, you know, I think really puts us, um, sets us apart from other banks. Other banks have a lot of the facts. They have a lot of the market research. But they don't really get into, you know, what is it that the, that the owner really wants to do after they sell? Or do they want to keep working for another year or two? And we really go to make sure that uh, we put a lot of effort in making sure that our owners get what it is that they want. Sometimes it's price, sometimes it's lifestyle, sometimes they want the biz- the business to stay in one place, and um, a lot of times they take those considerations above price. Yeah, to piggyback off of what Will was saying, you know, I think one misconception, you know, a lot of our clients and you know some of the buyers have is, you know, the client thinks well that when they come to us they're thinking about retiring, but. Then a lot of times buyers ask me, uh, what's the plan for the owner? And the owner, uh, you know, initially wants to retire, but, you know, there needs to be some type of transition or succession uh, to maintain the relationships of the customers and employee intention and I th- uh, retention. And I think, um, you know, a lot of our clients, you know, think they're going to have to end up working, you know, 60 hours a week like they already were doing before the transaction. But you know, that being said, I think a lot of the buyers that I've had experience with and that I talk to uh, don't really care, you know, how often you're actually in the office. As long as you have, you know, a, a phone on you, you can be halfway across the globe. And as long as you're there to maintain a customer relationship for an hour here and there, you know, I think generally, you know, the the buyers are pretty happy with, um, you know, that uh, experience and uh, staying on. Right. It's just nature. about, you know, misconception or... Yeah. 
Perceive, your perceived, perceived notion that I have to, uh, you know, I'm going to be there chained to my desk exactly 24-7 yep. after I sell. And that's not the case. Yeah. So any, any, any final thoughts from you, Jim? On, yeah, uh, I guess I just want to conclude by thanking you for having us again. Thank uh, you. I'd, I'd like to say that uh, it's been an honor to be part of the OSH team. And you guys are high-integrity people. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. being associated with you. Mm-hmm. It's been a great run. I look forward to continu- continuing it. I do well, as well. Well, yeah. I thank everybody. I mean, you guys are helping me complete the puzzle for Osage. I mean, we're continuing to grow. We have a lot of exciting things coming up uh, in 24. Um, and uh, uh, couldn't do it without the dedication and support of everybody in this room and people who are, aren't with us today. So I'd like to thank everybody for being here today um, Our pod, uh, to our podcast, uh, The Ins and of Selling a Business. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can always go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to it. Again, my name's Keith D. I'm president of Osage Advisors. Osage Advisors, investment bank, working with family, close-sale businesses, looking to sell, typically $5 million in revenue and up. To learn more about our firm, you can visit our website at osageadvisors.com. You can email me at kdee at osageadvisors.com or pick up the phone and call anybody in this room at 860-767-3273. Thanks again for being with us and have a great day. 